Lift up your eyes to see with every morning light, again, we are redeemed. And again, it doesn't mean we get saved over again, but we can wake up with the thought of, I'm redeemed. Every morning that we can wake up and have a thought, I'm redeemed. That we would always want to hear the story told again of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we never tire of hearing the gospel. I came across this. I hadn't intended to read it, but listen, this is Martin Lloyd-Jones in talking about hearing the story again. And he referenced the old hymn, I love to tell the story will be my theme and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and His love. And, and, and Martin Lord Jones loved to tell the story. And, and he said this, he said, when the gospel is actually preached, there is a sense in which we ought to feel as if we would like to trust in Christ and be converted all over again. <laughs> I thought that was good. When the gospel is actually preached, there is a sense in which we ought to feel as if we would like to trust in Christ and be converted all over again. Awaken every morning with the revelation of, I am born again, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. What a glorious thought. If you have your Bibles, be, go ahead and be turning to Romans. Romans first chapter. Romans first chapter. Let's begin in uh, verse 14. We're going to read through 17. Uh, the, verse 16 will be our main focus today. But uh, Reading from the New King James Version. Romans 1, 14 through 17. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your word and help us now. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit be our teacher. Father, I pray that you would guard my heart, guard my tongue. Lord, to, to let your word ring true today. So, Father, uh, help me as I read your scripture. And, Lord, most of all, help me in those in-between times of reading scripture. Lord, just keep me from error, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. You know, last week we, we talked about Paul's proclamation, I am not ashamed of the gospel. And I, I wanted to just take a moment to remind ourselves uh, as we looked at, and, and I hope we came away with, that there is a huge difference in being shamed for the gospel and being ashamed of the gospel. And did we get that? There's a huge difference in being shamed for the gospel and in being ashamed of the gospel. What uh, was the Apostle Paul put to shame because of his preaching the gospel? 
Yes. Yes, he, 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 he was put to shame. He was persecuted. He was mocked. He was scorned. He was beaten. He was thrown into prison for the sake of the gospel. And Paul was, ashamed, was shamed by unbelievers, but was not ashamed of the gospel. Do you see the difference? I hope we do. He was not ashamed of the cross of Jesus Christ. He was not ashamed of the message he preached, even though he received shame from many. And if we are a faithful, born-again believer, we will be shamed as well for our stand for Christ, won't we? Because others won't want to hear it. Uh, we, we may be ridiculed and mocked and persecuted for sharing the gospel. Because we talked about it last week, the gospel is offensive. It's offensive to the natural man, to the unbeliever, to those who are yet in darkness. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 22 through 23. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. You see, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are yet bound in sin, and so... Apart from the miracle of salvation, they won't want to hear it. And we may be put to shame because of the message of the cross. What Was Jesus put to shame on the cross? Yes. Yes, we pointed this out last week. Jesus was abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused of blasphemy. He was beaten with rods. He was ridiculed and taunted, stripped of his clothes, scourged with a whip, tortured in public and made to look like a fool as people yelled at him on the cross, you who saved others, save yourself. And what did Jesus do with the shame that he received? And we read from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's read it again. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged, in your souls. Jesus Christ despising the shame. And, and Paul in there, in, in Hebrews, giving us encouragement. Consider him, consider Christ, who endured such hostility from sinners. Will we face what Christ faced? Will we face such persecution that we would be nailed to a cross? Doubtful. Very doubtful in this country in which we live. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Don't become weary and discouraged in, in telling others about Christ. Even though we may be shamed by them, let us never be ashamed of the gospel. Amen? Romans 1 verses 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. 
What's the power of God? The gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. See, Paul had come face to face with this power, hadn't he? On the Damascus Road. Paul knew that the gospel of Christ is God's power to save because he had received salvation. And now he had been commissioned to share this gospel and was not ashamed to do so. So Paul understood that there was no other power in heaven or on earth by which mankind can be saved. No other power, no other way to be redeemed, only the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there were false religions in Paul's day. Is there false religions yet today? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Many false religions. Are, are they gaining new converts? Oh, yes. Yes, by the, by the hundreds and thousands and perhaps millions. But these false religions, these false gospels, can do nothing to offer sinners hope by grace and not of works. So many are counting on works to get them in. Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism... Islam and all other gospels in the world that win over so many converts will fail to protect any of their followers from the wrath of God. Amen? It will. Only one message saves sinners. Only one message reconciles sinners back to God and bring them safely into the presence of God. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ alone is the power of God unto salvation. So, what is this salvation? Well, salvation that in the Greek, soteria, means to save, means deliverance. It means preservation from danger or destruction. So, why do we need salvation? What causes us to be in a state that we needed this salvation? Well, it's our ancestors. We've got to go way back. Adam and Eve. It's because of sin. When men f uh, fell, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, all of mankind, all of future mankind, everyone born after that was born into sin. A, a child of wrath, needing to be saved, needing to be delivered, needing to be rescued. Uh, Romans 3.10 as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. If we go to Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need salvation. Amen? We all need to be rescued. We all need to be saved. We all need to be delivered. We all need to be preserved from danger and destruction. Now, if you are born again this morning, you can say, that you are saved. Right? Can, can we use that term? You can say that you are saved. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. By grace we have been saved. So, child of God, you are saved. And someone may ask you if you say, well, I'm saved. Or if you ask someone else, or are you saved? What might you get? The question that might come back at you. Saved from what? Saved from what? Do you have the answer? 
If someone should ask you that, do you have the answer? We need to we need to give a reason for the hope that we have. We need to give a reason to tell others that we know that we are saved and why we are saved and how we were saved. Romans five, it's going to be verses eight through eleven. I think this would be a good place to go, perhaps. And you study and read your Bible, and maybe commit some of these verses to memory, or, or at least have a little pocket New Testament with you, and that you could turn to perhaps this passage if 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 that should come up of being saved. Romans five verses eight through eleven. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so there would be the opportunity to talk about sin. There would be an opportunity to talk about the penalty of sin. There would be an opportunity to talk about the rescue for sinners in Jesus Christ. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. What, what is the born-again believer? Those who are saved, what are they saved from? What did, what did it just say? We shall be saved from wrath through Him, through Christ. That's what we're saved from, saved from wrath. Verse 10, for if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Being reconciled back to God, being made right, a right relationship with God, the relationship that, that was severed, or that was hindered, or that was hurt in the Garden of Eden. Through whom we now have reconciliation. So those who have believed and received Jesus Christ, believed the gospel, have been transformed by the power of God. Received righteousness under eternal life, but unbelievers receive what? Wrath. If they remain in that state of unbelief, the believer receives righteousness unto eternal life, but unbelievers receive wrath, receive everlasting punishment. Now Jesus said this in Matthew 25, verse 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into what? Eternal life. So our destination is one or the other. We're either bound for everlasting punishment and the wrath of God, or we're bound for eternity with Christ, righteousness into eternal life. There's only two destinations. And perhaps this is not a popular message to preach. But does it need to be preached? Yes. Yes. Oh, well, don't talk about such things. People don't like it. They will, they're, they're, they're going to ridicule you. They're going to they're say all manner of things. So, so, so what happens? What happens if a preacher has that mindset, he will start watering down the gospel, will he not? He will start preaching a sermon that 
even an unregenerate person would say, well, that was a good sermon. Pat him on the back. Is, is that what we want? No. Preach the Word in season and out of season. Preach the Word. Preach the Gospel. And Paul, the example, he said, look to me. Let me be your example. And, and look what happened to Paul. He stayed firm in preaching the Gospel. And look what it got him. Because Paul knew of the power of God to save. And Paul knew that apart from that, the sinners will be in the hands of an angry God under the wrath of God. Our eternal destination rides on that simple little question that I ask almost every week, do you believe? Do you believe? Are you saved? Let's read verses again that talk about it. John 3 Verses 14 through 16. Oh, don't tire of, of, of these verses, but rather as that that I read from Lloyd-Jones. May it, have, may it cause us to have a feeling, oh, that I could be saved all over again and, and know of that joy. So Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Saved from what? Saved from wrath. He came. He didn't come to condemn the world. Why? The world was already condemned. Let's keep reading. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness rather than light. You start trying to shine the light of the gospel into a dark place, they will try to hide. They will scorn. They will ridicule. They will put you to shame. But don't be ashamed of the gospel. John 3, verse 36. And perhaps it, these are good verses to go through if someone should ask you about being saved and about the wrath of God. He who believes in the Son has what? Everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but what? The wrath of God abides on him. Already in condemnation. Already the wrath of God abides upon the sinner, the unbeliever. And, and this verse repeats what Jesus said back in Matthew 25. To, to the believer, eternal life with Christ. To the unbeliever, the wrath of God, everlasting punishment. Romans 10, verses 9 through 13. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. How often, how often, how often in the Word of God does this keep coming up? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, who believes on Him will not be put to shame. That's talking about someday standing before the Lord. We will not be put to shame before the Lord. Oh, will we be put to shame while here on earth? I'll just look to the examples of Christ and to Paul and to others in the Word of God. Uh, but we can stand someday unashamed before the Father. So do you believe? Do you believe? And, and here I'm going to ask this question today. Because if you say, yes, I believe, here's your question. And here's my question. Okay, are you still believing? What's the difference? Well, because a, a lot of people, you ask them, well, do you believe? Well, yeah, I believe. And they go back. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to a time where they say they believed. They repeated a prayer or whatever they did and perhaps were baptized and then perhaps never darkened the door of the church again or perhaps they did but they just sat and took up a space was their belief unto salvation. Do, do we still believe? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also to the Greek. See, uh, I, I was reading, you, you know, I've talked about who I read. John Piper is one of those that I read, and John Piper is the one that, that pointed out uh, the verb tense of that, for everyone who believes, uh, that Greek word for believes, signifies a, it's a verb, a continuous action. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to, to, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who is believing. It could read. Or for everyone who keeps on believing. You see. It, it, and I can say that, because 1 John 5.13, let's go there. 1 John 5.13. And John wrote, and we're going to be in 1 John for a while. And he writes, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. See, it's not a matter of, oh yeah, I believed once. No, it's a matter of, of, are you, am I still believing? That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You see, evidence of a true born-again believer it will be perseverance. Persevering to the end. To continue to believe. Continue to believe the gospel and continue calling upon Him. Uh, you know, what, what are the evidence from the Word of God? in 1 John, that we might look to about this persevering. And we're going to look at some of these verses today. Let, let, let's now, we were there in, in the fifth chapter, and now let's jump back to the first chapter of 1 John. 1 John, verses 5 through 7. This is the message which we have heard from Him, the Lord. And I declare to you that God is light, and in Him, in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
Now, do you get the picture? It's Anybody can say they're born again. Anybody can say they're a child of God. Anybody can say that they believe. But is it true according to the Word of God? If we say that we have fellowship with Him, with the Lord, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So a question we might ask is, let's look at our lives. Am I walking in darkness? Now, pastors, is talking about sinless perfection? No. No, it is not. It's not talking about sinless perfection. I believe it's talking about that practice or pattern. We lie and do not practice the truth. What is our practice of life? What is our conduct, our daily living? Will it be to walk in the light in the truth of God's Word? See, if we're truly a child of God, then we will desire to walk in the light, will we not? That our true heart's desire won't be to walk in darkness. If we're saved, we have been brought out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen? 1 Peter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. How about 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3-6? through 2 Corinthians 4, 3-6. through but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Do you get the picture? you get the picture of the lost? Blinded by the God of this age. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Christ's sake. See, this is Paul talking to them. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel. So let, me, let me read one more about darkness. In Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 13. For you were once darkness. Everyone, everyone on the face of this planet either still are darkness or once were darkness. For you were once darkness, but now, this is to the born again, to the believers, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Walk in the light finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Shining light into darkness, shining light into a sinful situation. See, the true believer will have a heart's desire to walk in the light. Now, will a true believer ever stumble into sin? Have a momentary lapse into sin? Yes. 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 
I know there are, there are some who will say, oh, oh, I never sin. I'm, I'm born again. I never sin. There are religions, that, there are Christian churches that believe that. That the child of God does not sin anymore. Well, how about 1 John 1.8? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And I know they would come back and they would say that is before regeneration. But I don't believe it is. I believe this is the child of God that's walking on this earth and we still stumble and we still sin. But when we do, we are convicted by the Holy Spirit. And what do we do? We confess and we repent. Verse 9. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not that we lost our salvation and we gained it again, no. But as a child of God, we stumbled into sin and into disobedience and we need to confess, confess our sin and continue to walk in the light. A true believer will confess sins and continue to believe. Now, let's go to 1 John 2nd chapter, verses 3 through 6. Now, by this we know that we know Him. Okay, now here's the evidence that if we truly know Him, by this we're going to know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar. Doesn't get much plainer than that, does it? He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Do we keep His commandments? Do I keep His commandments? The, the things that God's Word has called us to be obedient to. See, Jesus was asked about the commandments. Here, let, let's read this in Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, asked Christ a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the second, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments, saying all the law and the prophets. Keep the commandments of God. If you there it breaks it all down, doesn't it? Jesus Christ Himself breaks it down of what that is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And who's your neighbor? <laughs> Anyone you meet. Back to 1 John. Chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Again, remember, we're looking for evidence that we are persevering. Evidence that we know Him. Evidence that we are truly saved. Verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 
And if you drop down to verse 25, and this is the promise that He has promised us eternal life. To those who follow Him, that love not the world, but love the Father, we have been given this promise, eternal life. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. And what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Oh, such love. Oh, such love. And if we drop down to verse 16, let's read verse 16 through 19 of 1 John. I think it would be good for the child of God to, to, to go through this short little book of 1 John from time to time. By this we know love, because He laid down His life for us. Christ laid down His life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children... Let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. How will we know that we're of the truth? <laughs> we're going to love others. We're going to love others. You see a brother in need and, and you shut your heart from them, how does the love of God abide in, in you if you do that? The evidence that we are a true believer is we love one another and not in word only, but in deed and in truth. 1 John 3, verses 23 and 24. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. Now He who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Does every born-again believer have the Spirit of God indwelling them? Yes. And again, there are those who will say no. But that comes second. No, it doesn't. To be born again is to have the Spirit. Uh, Romans 8 and 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Talking about those who are born again. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. doesn't get any plainer than that to me. You cannot be born again unless you have the Spirit of God in you. That, that's evidence that you are born again, that the Spirit is in you. Well, preacher, how do I know I have the Spirit in me? Well, He tells you He's there. The Spirit of God. Can, can you have the Spirit of God in you and not know it? I, I don't think it's possible. I, perhaps it is. I don't, I don't know. But, but, every, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And so we know because the Spirit tells us He's there. Romans 8, if we go down to verse, let's read verse 14 through 17. Okay, now listen. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So there's one question you could ask about being led by the Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. See, to the born again, God is our Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together do you have the spirit of god well how do i know his spirit will bear witness with you and so you call out to him make yourself known his spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we have believed unto everlasting life that we truly believe that we are born of god that we are born again born from above first john 5 1 through 3. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Comes back, doesn't it? Does it? Comes back. Do you believe? How often? How often does it keep coming back to that? Whoever believes that, that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him. Who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we lo love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. See, to obey Christ, to obey the word of God for the child of God shouldn't be a big drag on us. A huge weight upon it. It should be our joy to serve Him and to obey Him. It won't be burdensome. And if it is burdensome to you or to me, we need to pray and find out why. Let's go down in, in, in uh, 1 John 5. Let's go a little further. Let's go down verses 10 through 13. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him, has made God a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony. That God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, it's pretty plain, isn't it? And then there's the verse we started with, verse 13. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. See, evidence of true saving faith is perseverance. The, the, the born again will persevere to the end. To the end. And by that, we will know that we are saved. Now, know that we are saved. Now, now when I say that, I hope we have an understanding of that we perceive that as know that we are being saved. Can I say it that way? That, that we are being saved 
saved. Let's put it into that uh, sanctification process. Because we are yet awaiting our glorification. Correct? The glorification of a saint is beyond this world and beyond this life. It's coming. It is certain. But it's not yet. And so in, in that regard, we are being saved. Even though in, we are saved, we're a child of God, and what can separate us from the love of God? What can pluck us from His hand? Nothing, nothing. So we, but we have a guarantee. We have a guarantee of that which is to come. That's 1 Peter, 1st chapter, verses 3 through 5. Let's read it. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. See, it's, it's ours it's ours. We, we have been given a promise to those who are born again. Oh, it's ours. But, but to be completed is yet to come. To be yet to come. It, it's, it, it's, it's reserved. It's reserved in heaven for those who are born again. To those who are being kept by the power of God. Again, is there anything greater than the power of God? No. No. The security of the believer for the true believer those who know that they know that they know that they're saved, who can go through the book of 1 John and say, yes, yes, yes. We shall one day be fully and completely and entirely saved. See, right now we're saved from the penalty of sin, but then we will be saved from even the presence of sin. Isn't that a thought? You know, right now, we're saved from the penalty of sin, those who are born again. We still are in conflict with, with Satan and, and with opposing spiritual forces, and the power of sin is still on the earth. But we are saved from the penalty, and someday we will be saved from the very presence of sin. Oh, what a great salvation, amen? God's salvation wrought by the gospel of Christ, the power of God to everyone who believes, to those who keep on believing. I've got 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for those who continues to believe, keeps on believing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, <laughs> we can give you thanks for such a great salvation. May, may all the redeemed give thanks to you for having saved us from the hand of the enemy, for having redeemed us 
for having purchased us by the blood of Christ. So Lord, may we be thankful and never forget what Christ has done. And Father, our, our prayer is that if there's someone listening or to the sermon and they're yet lost, then oh Father, that you would have mercy, that you would shine your light into the darkness of sin, that you would breathe on them your Holy Spirit, bring them to life, grant them faith to believe, grant them repentance as they, as they repent of their sins and receive Christ and turn and follow Him. So Father, have mercy. And help us, Lord, that those who have unsaved family and friends and acquaintances, help us, Lord, to not lose heart. Help us to, to stand firm for Your truth, but yet speak the truth in love. Help me and help us, Lord, to not be deterred by shame that may come toward us. And help us to remember Paul. Help us to remember Christ. Let them be our example that we would not be ashamed of the gospel. So Father, give us boldness that we would not despair if persecution should come. Help us to stand firm for You and speak Your truth. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.